Welcome to Casting Hope, a sermon podcast of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Joe Hack, pastor at Hope, and we are so glad that you are listening in. We would love to connect with you in person at our Sunday gathering. In the meantime, we hope this message points you to Jesus, the reason we gather. Hebrews is not just informational. Hebrews is transformational. And that's actually my prayer this morning, that God would transform us with His Word. Before we get started and I read the text, I want you to see something in verse 7 of our passage. Hebrews is about to quote what Ryan just read for us, Psalm 95, but notice two things. The first is this, this ancient psalm is God the Holy Spirit speaking. And second, God the Spirit is speaking today. This means that when I read this ancient scripture this morning, it is God's voice for you today. It's been said that every time you read the scriptures, you should ask God, why are you telling me this today? I love that question. It's one of my favorite questions to ask the scriptures. And so I want to read this text, and then we'll ask that question together in prayer. Again, Hebrews 3, starting in verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said they are always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Oh Lord, why are you telling me this today? Open our hearts to find out this morning. In Jesus' name. Columbus, Ohio has an indoor climbing gym called Vertical Adventures, and they have a three word slogan Climbing is dangerous. Boom, boom, boom. It's on their t-shirts, it's on their walls, it's on their website. And I have to admit, if they're trying to grow as a company, it's kind of a strange slogan. (laughs) Wouldn't it be better to say, climbing is great, climbing is awesome, climbing is rewarding. 
anything but climbing is dangerous. Like that's their slogan. Literally. Climbing is dangerous. So why do they say that? Well, there's a long tradition in climbing to speak plainly about dangers. It makes climbing safer. And so the slogan is loving because it tells the truth. Climbing is dangerous. And to deny that or to downplay that is actually very unloving. A few years ago, a book was released for pastors called Dangerous Calling. And according to the publisher, this book is a loving warning as well. It says, essentially, ministry is dangerous. But according to Hebrews, as we just read, every Christian has a dangerous calling. Walking with Jesus is dangerous. I mean, how many of us think of walking with Jesus as dangerous? Is that the first word you think of? Maybe enriching, maybe amazing. But dangerous? Is that the word we would go for? Well, I think Hebrews would have us reconsider because in our passage, walking with Jesus is identified with Israel's 40-year wilderness journey. Which was anything but cozy. Just scan the words again in the passage we just read aloud. I'll grab a few. Hardened, astray, restless, turn away, deceit, perish, God's wrath. Walking with Jesus is dangerous. Now, the climbing gym, that has a warning as a slogan in order to prevent you to break your leg or even break your neck. And that's important, but Hebrews is doing something, if you can believe it, far more significant than that. Hebrews wants you to stay, verse 11, take a look, in God's eternal rest. Here's a circle. We'll call this the circle of God's rest. If you're visual, like me, here you go. Now, I don't know what you think of when you hear or see the word rest. Do you think of a bed? Do you think of a couch? Well, I want you to think of a throne. When God rested on the seventh day, I'm told by Hebrew scholars, He didn't rest on a lazy boy. He rested where? On His throne. It's been said, God's rest is God's rule. And this means that the place of deepest rest is at the foot of his throne. To be in this circle, the circle of God's rest, is to have a heart that is bowed, and to experience the peace that comes with letting go and allowing God's good rule to take. But I just want to ask this question, to be real, how many of us are tempted to basically run outside of this circle for rest, for deep rest? Every single day, we look outside of the circle to find rest. We look outside of the circle to find rest in relationships, in job security, in intimacy with a significant other, with finances, with fame, perhaps, or with a future vision 
And the preacher of Hebrews knows this about you. Knows this about me. And warns you out of love. We have what it takes to not just look outside the circle, but to leave the circle for good. New Testament scholar Ben Witherington puts it this way, quote, Every day is a test. And every day the call to faithfulness needs to ring out and be positively responded to. Every day is dangerous with Jesus. Will we remain or will we run? Will we abide or will we leave? If you do climb mountains or if you do climb indoor walls, you know that there are basically, so I'm told, four safety checks before you start climbing. You double back your harness buckles. You don't want those things to loosen up when you're falling. You tie in a double figure eight knot. You check your belayer's harness. And then you check your own belay device. And you go through these four things like religiously. It's your safety check. And in the same way, Hebrews offers us four safety checks in this passage. Ways that we can check that we are abiding in God's rest. And I want to frame them in the form of four questions. Friend, do you know the difference between hearing and listening? Seeing and knowing. Attendance and family. Earning and effort. Let's explore each. The first safety check. Have you learned the difference between hearing God's voice and listening to God's voice? Take a look at verses 7 through 8 again. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. God's people then and now can hear God's voice and yet harden their hearts. In other words, they hear, but they do not listen. And there is a difference. A few months ago, a friend texted me an album recommendation, and I responded to their recommendation with a thumbs up. You know a little thumbs up you can do on your Apple phone? Boop. Thumbs up. And I hurried through the album, enough to give my informed opinion to my friend. It was okay. It was okay. Yeah, it was fun. Never listened to it again. Until the other day, I gave that album another listen. Friends, this album's amazing. I'm not kidding. It is so good. And it's from like a year ago, so I'm saying it's like the best album of the past two years for me. Three months ago, we could say, I heard the album. Last week, I listened to the album. 
And the same thing can happen with God's voice. There's a difference between hearing and listening to His voice. And in my experience, hearing has no fruit. Listening has fruit. What, are, what is the fruit of listening to God's voice? What is the fruit of listening to His Word? The first is the action. The first is action. And the second is all. The first fruit of listening rather than merely hearing is action. When you listen to God's voice in Scripture, it's personal. God the Holy Spirit, as it says in verse 7, is speaking to you personally and to the church personally. Which leads and always leads to action. The second fruit is awe. When you listen, not just hear, when you listen to God's voice in Scripture, it doesn't just move your hands and feet into action. It actually moves your heart into worship, into awe. The other day I heard someone share how a very familiar passage of Scripture, Psalm 23, very familiar, was helping them walk into a class as a teacher when they were overwhelmed. That's what listening looks like. The second safety check in this dangerous walk with Jesus is this. Have you learned the difference between seeing and knowing? So look at the next two verses. Verse 9. Where you saw your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So what's going on? Verse 9 says, Israel and the church then and the church today, it can see God at work. But verse 10 says, they did not know Him. And that's the danger of walking with Jesus in a nutshell. Seeing but not knowing. It's illustrated again for us in verses 16 through 19, if you take a look. For who were those that heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses? So God's people had front row seats to God's amazing salvation. They saw the waters part. They saw Pharaoh get defeated. They experienced freedom from brutal, inhumane, dehumanizing slavery. They experienced it. They saw it. But familiarity with God's ways is not the same as intimacy with God. I'll say that again. Familiarity is not intimacy. I am super familiar with the soccer player Mo Salah. From Egypt. Place for living. I've probably seen all of his goals. Because there are YouTube videos that throw them together with some terrible music in the background. You've seen those highlight reels. Maybe a different sport. That's okay. I'm very familiar with Moe's left foot on the right flank. And how he sort of goes this way, knocks the ball that way, and then bends the ball right into the upper left-hand corner. I know that shot. I'm very familiar. But here's the thing. I'm familiar with him. My eye 
eyes have watched him for a long time, but I do not know him, and he does not know me. The way that my family knows me, the way that my friends know me, the way that even you all know me. And that's the danger of walking with Jesus. We substitute familiarity with intimacy, don't we? I may be familiar with justification by faith alone. But do I know what it feels like to hear God say to me, in my failure, you are not going Or to walk into something scary and to experience, not just be familiar with the doctrine, but to experience the truth that God is before you and God is after you and God is around you and God is for his people. Do you know that? Have you tasted that? That's the difference between familiarity and intimacy. It's also what makes Christianity different from every other religious path. Christianity is an invitation ultimately to intimacy. Not familiarity with doctrine, but intimacy. God the Spirit, again, verse 7, makes it possible for us to know Jesus intimately. Do you know the difference? Do you know the difference between attendance and family? Take a look at verses 12 through 13. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another, or encourage one another every day, as long as it's called today. Today's called today. That's the takeaway. Why? That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So the most dangerous thing in the world, verse 12, is falling away from the living God. Not my opinion. Preacher of Hebrews. God's word. And here in this text that we just read, sin itself is almost personified as an enemy. Sin is personified as an enemy who hardens and who deceives. And according to these two verses, the way to survive this significant danger is not within us, but is without us, is outside of us. It's verse 13. Exhorting one another every day, or encouraging one another every stinking day. This is the difference between seeing church family as a thing we attend, and church being... A family. Church family. It says, take care, brothers and sisters. That is no small thing. Especially in that culture. We have a very low view of family bond. They, my goodness, so, so different than our cultural moment. The family was everything. And so when Jesus sits down with his disciples and his biological family, he's like walking out there. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, this is my family, those who follow me. That could be one of the most explosive, controversial things in all of scripture, frankly. That is so profoundly controversial in that day.
And there's so many things that we can say about this. It means that being married, for instance, is not some kind of holy status set apart from being single. It means that we have a lot of work to do to cultivate family. It means church family is designed by God to keep us in His love, according to verse 13. Like, this is necessary. It's not an add-on. The encouragement that one of you, with your voice, and with your experience, and with your inflection, and with your accent, with your perspective, your voice, your voice is not Take it or leave it for my faith in everyone else around you as well. It is profoundly essential here. It's not a bonus. It's a requirement to stay in God's will. Recovery groups can teach us, the church, a lot in this area. So Drew Dyke in his book, I just finished, Your Future Self Will Thank You, has a conversation with a sober alcoholic towards the end. And this man, though sober, attends his weekly meeting regularly. And he says, quote, without community, you're dead. A life of sobriety is impossible without weekly meetings. Recidivism is at the door every single day. And you don't have to struggle against substances to hear his wisdom and his warning. We need church family in our lives. We need encouragement and exhortation or we are dead. Who can you encourage today? Call them to mind. I I dare you right now. Are you in the habit of meeting regularly with others? And when you meet, are you in the habit of exhorting and encouraging with God's word? Encouragement from your Twitter, your ex um, profile, or your Instagram, or your social media. It won't do. You need the flesh and blood of your church family to encourage you. Is your church family your recovery group? Is it a matter of life and death? And we'll ask this last question to close. Have you learned the difference between earning and effort? So the late Dallas Willard says, God's grace is opposed to earning, but not effort. Look at verse 14. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So holding on to our original conviction, holding on to our faith is hard. When I water ski, which isn't very often, the first circle around the lake is very easy. But then as the lactic acid starts to build up in your forearms... It gets really, really hard to hang on to that original conviction. Amen? Like, your forearms start to feel like jello. 
It requires great effort to keep your grip. And so it is following Jesus. Following Jesus is hard. But do not confuse effort with earning. Notice how verse 14 begins. We have come to share in Christ. This isn't an if. This is we have. This is something we have. We are sharing in Christ. We are in Christ. We are his co-heirs. His obedience is our obedience. His death was on our behalf. His resurrection, we are in that so that we too will be raised. His new heavens and new earth, which he stands to inherit, we too stand to inherit. Walking with Jesus through the wilderness is dangerous. But friends, realize this. Jesus walked through the wilderness already. He was already tested. And he was faithful. Remember? He didn't harden his heart as in the rebellion. Psalm 95. He was the perfect Israelite. He stayed soft to his father's voice. Even when that voice led him to the cross where he underwent the covenant curses for our rebellion. So God's wrath for our unfaithfulness. And that's what you share in Christ. Which means you cannot earn his rest. You already are. Our holding firm is not payment for rest. Our holding firm is proof we have. Walking with Jesus is dangerous, friends, but Jesus stayed in that circle of rest for us. Stay in the rest. Okay? Stay in the rest. Realize you are already kept. Like, like the book of Jude says, keep yourself in the love of God. How? You're kept. You're kept. That's all. So, Lord, we ask that you would indeed keep us. We share in Christ. So we hope for it. It's in his name we pray. Thanks for listening in. For more resources like this and to learn more about hope, please visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org.